Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 753. Whatever you do, do the absolute best job you can. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, David Bell. Hey, Dave, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready, Mark. Six-point harness is on. All right, cool. I love it when my guests show up ready to go. I promise to keep the car between the rails and out of the ditch. David Bell is the CEO and co-founder at Active Motors in Mountain View, California, where they design and build high-tech electric vehicles, including their new Aero Smart Cart. It's the first smart electric go-kart that partners performance and safety and allows parents to supervise their children's driving experience on their iOS or Android device using the Aero app. The Aero features the same technology found on today's most advanced automobiles. The vehicle is a rolling test lab that uses STEM education to a new generation. David is a longtime automotive and racing enthusiast with considerable senior management operating and strategic experience with 35-plus years career in Silicon Valley-based firms, and serves on the board of several high-tech companies as well. So, Dave, I told our listeners just a little tiny bit about your background. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career, your business, and, of course, that passion you have for automobiles? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Tell a little bit that uh, wasn't in the bio there. I grew up in Michigan. Of course, Michigan being the epicenter of the car industry, it's, it's a great place to grow up. But I actually grew up about 150 miles north of Detroit. So I wasn't in the Detroit area, but grew up in a place called Traverse City. Beautiful place to be from. Mm-hmm. And I left Traverse City, went out to Boston, went to school at MIT, a great engineering school, of course. And then as an intern with MIT, came out to California for the first time in 1976 and fell in love with Silicon Valley in California, and, and that's where I ended up staying, and I've been here, if you do the math, obviously it's been more than 40 years <laughs> yeah. since I first came out to California. Wow. Well, Traverse City, that's the home to Haggerty, Collector Car Insurance Company, a great company that uh, McKeel's been on the show, and many people from Haggerty, they've insured my collector cars over the years. Coming out to California in 76, that's the year I graduated from high school, La Jolla High, and Silicon Valley was not much there, was there? You know, it's changed a lot. Back in 76, there were still a lot of apricot orchards and things like <laughs> yeah. that, which uh, there aren't very many of anymore, sadly, but I've seen a lot of change during those times. I've seen a lot of companies that I wished I'd invested in and, oh, gosh, and yes. joined. But, you know, it's a dynamic environment. It's kind of a love-hate relationship with California, to be honest with you, yeah. with the high prices. You know, you got the traffic. On the other hand, it's beautiful weather, and there's no better place if you want to develop a high-tech company. Oh, absolutely. And before I get into this first question, you've worked at a lot of some of the most amazing companies. Can you just run through those real quick? Yeah, when I first came out to California as an intern, in fact, I went to work for Hewlett-Packard. And back then, it was actually a pretty small company. A company was only about 10,000 employees, which still sounds like a lot, but it was a lot (laughs) smaller than it is today. So I spent some time there. Then I went to a startup company, and I, I learned what that was like, the roller coaster of that startup company, growing for like four years and then one year decline, started my own consulting business, and then eventually I actually went into the semiconductor business, the chip-making business, which is kind of the core of all high-tech products. So 
I spent the better part of two decades in the chip making business as an executive at those companies and then retired back about four years ago looking for something fun to pour my energy into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about that new energizing, and I'm using that word uh, as a little bit of a pun because you're going to learn more about this electric go-kart that you're producing. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote, some kind of saying that has some meaning to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Dave, take the wheel. Well, I, I don't know if this is a quote per se, but it's a philosophy that I adhere to. And that's basically whatever you do, do the absolute best job you can. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about Steve Jobs. And, and one of the things that Steve Jobs was really passionate about is, is basically that. And he would put a lot of work into even the aesthetics of the printed circuit board that would be buried inside the PC, mm-hmm. something that people wouldn't even see. And his engineers would say, well, why do you care about that? You know, why, why are you worrying about stuff people won't see? And that was something important to him. And it was, I think, that he cared about the minutest details. And it was really a philosophy that if you care about those details, even if people don't see them, that carries into everything else you do. So so that's something I'm really near and dear to. And whatever I do, I definitely try and do the absolute best job I can, even if people aren't going to see it. I love that whole concept. It means the world to me being a, a designer from way back my education and then my early career. I had a, a great guest on Cars. Yeah, in fact, the day that we're recording this, this guest is live on Cars Year, Sid Mead. He's a futurist, a designer, and that's exactly what he said. He spent his whole life designing things for everything from cars to mega yachts to insides of uh, airliners for the uh, yeah. uh, leaders of Saudi Arabia. And another example that comes to mind is uh, I had an MV Agusta F4 motorcycle, one of the most beautiful motorcycles, I think, oh, yeah, beautiful motorcycles. And the designer of that bike did the exact same thing if you there was a great video about it where the internal parts of the engine that nobody would ever see had to be beautiful so i I love that mantra and it means the world to not only designers but to people like you and i who value what we're doing for people yeah, and I think it means that, you know, what you're doing in the engineering world is going to be very good. But like I said earlier, kind of that whole philosophy mm-hmm. carries in everything else and many things that people do see. But that philosophy about always doing the best job you can, if you're not satisfied, go back and do it over. Right. And if you do it right the first time, you don't have to go back and do it over. So exactly. take your time at the beginning. Ah, that's a wonderful. That's the way I try to live my life on uh, on everything that I do. Well, let's go back in time. I know that there's a special car in your past history. We talked about it in our pre-show chat. But is there a uh, story that instigated your passion for cars, that moment in your life when you realized that you were indeed a car guy? Well, I think that I was born with engineering genes. You know, I think part of it is is just in your DNA. And, and I was kind of born to be an engineer. But I, early on, I was very interested in mechanical things and cars. In fact, one of the things I'd sent you earlier was a drawing that I did when I was 10 years old <laughs> yes. of a car suspension. So, you know, I was, I was into stuff like that. But I remember one time that kind of made my parents' eyes um, kind of open wide my dad came home from uh, the car dealer, and I think he had a loaner car. It was a brand new car. Mm-hmm. This must have been back in like 66 or 67, something like that. And on the sticker on the door of this new car, it said it had front disc brakes. And I thought, oh, my God, this is something really new, just when front disc brakes are starting to come out. Right. And, and I ran inside, and I told my dad, I said, it says it has front disc brakes, but it doesn't. 
And he said, well, how do you know that? He said, well, I crawled under the car and I looked at the brakes <laughs> and they were drum brakes on the front. <laughs> Trick. So I don't know if that was as seminal to me as it was to my parents, but that kind of showed that, you know, I was really into cars and, you know, even the intricate stuff, again, stuff you might not even see, you know, the suspension and braking components were really interesting to me. And it, it kind of turned maybe just a year or so later into kind of another event, you know, that set me on my career. You know, I'll tell our listeners, one of the joys that I have and the honors of talking to so many great people like Dave here on Cars, yeah, is I get to know them a little bit better. And Dave mentioned this. He sent me over this morning before we did this show, this wonderful drawing, like you mentioned, 1966. And it, it looks like a technical drawing. And it even has the, the numbered lines at the top of the number of sheets and all this stuff. And I just had to smile because my father was an architect <laughs> growing up. And he used to give me those extra sheets and I would do drawings on them. And he showed me how to put the date and all this stuff. So uh, it was kind of near and dear to my heart as well. Great drawing, by the way. For a 10-year-old, it's oh, incredible. <laughs> well, my dad was an architect as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, oh, cool. I, I picked up a lot of that drawing stuff from him, but it wasn't very engineering-oriented. But you know, if I might, uh, you know, one of the things that it led to is, is my my parents realized my passion for engineering, and yet neither of them was really very engineering-oriented. And uh, they actually, being great parents, they actually got me involved in a community college at 11 years old to kind wow. of fulfill my, my passion for engineering. Holy cow. Well, that's, that's impressive. Well, that's how you ended up at MIT. So you, you see that, yeah. uh, that helped uh, a lot. Yeah. College prep courses at 11. Very impressive. Very well, cool. well it, it was interesting. The first thing they, they enlisted me in was basically a lawnmower engine repair class. It was in the evening and, and it was, it was comical because I was in this evening class with guys in their forties and fifties. <laughs> and here's this 11 year old kid, you know, in some cases couldn't even loosen the bolts on the, yeah. on the engines. But, you know, I was in there getting my my hands dirty, rebuilding lawnmower engines, and kind of got me involved from you know mechanics to a far deeper extent than I had been before. And just down the hall in this this classroom facility, uh, they were teaching electronics, and I started getting interested in that, and actually enrolled in the electronics program when I was 11 years old, and that kind of set me in a different direction, less mechanically oriented, and, and more towards my career in electronics. Right. Well, it all adds up for sure, but. Very astute of your parents to uh, push you in that direction and give you that opportunity. How fantastic. Well, Dave, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and have you share a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. Of course, the most important part of this is what did it teach you? So take us to that painful time, kind of walk us through it, and then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in the future. Well, I mentioned this in our introductory comments. I worked for HP initially, then went to work for a startup. And when that startup failed, um, I started my own consulting business. And that grew well. It grew rapidly for a number of years, but got hit by a recession that hit the U.S. and the Valley here back in the early 90s. Mm. And I ended up having to ultimately basically close down that business. One of the other unfortunate things that I don't talk a lot about as well is we had a CFO there that ended up being a crook and actually was indicted by a federal grand jury with what he did stealing money from the company. So I had some help over the cliff, even more than just the general economic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, but, you know, one of the things that that it really taught me is just to never give up, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, just persevere, work smart, but, but never give up. Now, never giving up in many cases means you will be successful, but let's face it. In some cases like this one that I faced back in the early nineties, I wasn't successful. Sometimes working as hard as you can, 
there are obstacles you can't overcome. And in those circumstances, you know, you got to get up, dust yourself off, try and figure out what you learn and, and carry on. Right. So, you know, some hard lessons that I've learned yeah, multiple times, but that's probably the most painful one. Uh, well, yeah, I cannot imagine, but I can imagine when those kinds of things happening. I've had a lot of guests on the show that have been through similar situations with business partners or unforeseen circumstances, or I remember well that recession in the early 90s. It really hit California hard in the real estate industry, of course, and I was working in that field with a lot of clients in that area where all of a sudden they just went, we can't do anything anymore. And you just go, yep. well, what did I do wrong? I was doing a great job. And all of a sudden, unforeseen things. 2008, of course, this country got slammed incredibly hard. Yep. 50, 60,000 companies went out of business. I mean, you just don't know what's going to come along. And as you said, sometimes when you're digging a hole, you have to know when to crawl out and go dig somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And then the 2008 crisis hit me hard too. At the time, I was CEO of a public semiconductor company. Mm. And uh, with, and just months before it becomes CEO, and my revenues dropped by 45% oh. when the bottom fell out in September 2008. So where yeah. you roll up your sleeves, figure out what you got to do to make ends meet. Uh, yeah. Oh, tough, tough times. Well, let's shift gears and go somewhere a little more positive. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's one of those times when the lights come on and kind of illuminate a new pathway for you or a new turn in the road. And tell us what that aha moment meant for you. Well, I, I kind of touched on it earlier, and that was when I was enrolled in this lawnmower engine repair class in the evening at a community college in Traverse City, Michigan. And as I mentioned, there was this class going on down the hallway, and I would wander down there and look at what's going on and really opened my eyes because although I was very engineering-oriented, prior to that time, I was mostly really focused on mechanical aspects in engineering. And it really struck a chord with me, and I really got excited about the electronics end of things. And that was a, a career-defining moment. Um, as I mentioned, my parents enrolled me in their electronics technology program and went through that starting at age 11 and ended up graduating at 14 out of the community college. And that really set my career in the direction of doing electrical engineering electronics. Mm -hmm. But it's still, you know, the mechanical background still has an impact on me because what I enjoy the most are multidisciplinary projects, ones that involve mechanical engineering, electronics, software, even design aesthetics. Those are the kind of things that really excite me, the, the diversity of engineering. Very cool. I love it. It's Engineering is such an interesting field because there's so many paths you can go down. My wife, when I met her, we were both going to the same college. She was an engineering student. Mechanical engineering is where she got her degree, but she got an internship with a civil engineering firm and ended up working in that field for 10, 11 years, designing big housing tracks and roadways and all yep. the sewer systems and water systems, all the stuff that has to happen before they start building on it. But she found it really fascinating, all that preparation that you have to do in a project like that. So I married in an engineer, I understand what you guys are like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should feel sorry for you, right? No, not at all. She's way smarter than I am, so she keeps me on my toes. <laughs> so I always appreciate that. She doesn't let me get away with anything. So, And certainly she was a great help with our kids when they were studying science and math when they were in school. So she helped them move along better than I could have. Let's talk about a proudest career or business moment. I would assume you've had many. You've done a lot of different things in your life. Is there one, though, that stands out that you would share? Well, there have been lots of things I'm proud about, but I think that uh, the things that I get excited about are where there's a convergence of things coming together, where two or three things are changing in the industry or technology and, and enable you to make a product 
that would not have been practical before. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the semiconductor industry, perhaps not all that exciting because it's a business to business kind of environment, but I had an opportunity uh, to realize that there was an opportunity to make a module product. I was making integrated circuits, chips that were doing power supply and power control functions. And I realized I could go a step up on the integration ladder and actually make a module product that was far easier for users to use. I persuaded the CEO at the time to do that, and it ended up being a very successful business and one that many different companies are in now and probably approaching a billion-dollar business worldwide now in that new area. So that's, that's one area where... I was proud that I identified that there was a convergence of things going on and was able to jump and exploit that opportunity before other people did. Congratulations. Awesome. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back again in time. I would love for you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory or two you have about that vehicle. Sure. Well, in fact, uh, before the show, I sent you a photo yeah, of yes, that car did. with me standing in front of it. Yeah. And it's a fun story because it was my first car that I actually purchased. I was, I think I was a junior at MIT and I was looking for a car to buy and I tripped across this, literally a barn find. Yeah, it was a, a woman whose husband had passed away a few years back and in the, the barn, was this 1973 BMW 2002TII in British Racing Green. And for those of you that know BMW as well, you know that 1973 was the last of the round taillight Mm -hmm. 2002s. So a real classic car. And I ended up buying the thing for a song because the woman just really didn't know what it was worth and, and didn't. it was a manual transmission. Of course, she didn't know how to drive it. So I ended up buying that car, and that was my daily driver. And in fact, I drove it across the United States three times uh, as an intern coming between Boston and California. Wow. So it was a wonderful car, and, and clearly it's the car that has had the biggest impact on me and one that I wish I still had today. Uh, well, that's my next question is the seller's remorse story. Is that indeed the vehicle that you wish you had back in your garage? It is. It's, it's one of them. And in fact, uh, it's kind of heartwarming that my youngest son, one of his passions is that he's trying to find that car. Oh, you know, He dredged up the VIN number and he's trying to find it. I'm not even sure that it even exists anymore, but you know, he would love to have it back in my garage at some yeah. point. And yeah, I regret selling it, but um, as a young engineer in Silicon Valley, the car needed a new transmission and I just couldn't afford it. So I ended up selling the car. But right. that definitely is one that I wish I'd held on to and I wish it was in my garage today. Yeah, they're pretty special cars. There's uh, some great stories out there about those cars. I had a guest, uh, Carter Kelly Kramer, on the show. They featured him on Petrolicious. They did a video about him and his 2002. It was a car that he found that was a really a garage mess, and he rebuilt the whole thing. It was all rusted out and stuff. But they're wonderful little cars. I've had the privilege of driving them. So, uh, yeah, maybe another one will end up in your garage one of these days. Yep, hopefully so. I hope so, too. Well, let's talk about today and what has you excited and fired up. I would love for you to share more with our listeners about Active Motors. This is a very cool little go-kart, something I wish existed back when I was a kid because the go-kart I had was something I built with a neighbor's lawnmower engine and rigid frame and uh, uh, finally ended up crashing so many times. My mom said, we're getting rid of this. You're going to kill yourself. (laughs) But uh, tell us about Active Motors and what you're doing. This is a very cool bringing technology into today so that people can uh, have their kids on a little go-kart but be safe. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll give you a little bit of background to it. As I mentioned, I retired from the semiconductor industry a little bit more than four years ago and, and too young to just put my feet up. I wanted to pour my energies into something. And as I alluded to earlier, I really get turned on by multidisciplinary things, things that involve mechanical engineering, electronics, software, industrial design, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So my good friend, Tony Fidel, Tony's well-recognized in the technology world, having been the creator of the iPod and yeah. later the iPhone, working for Steve Jobs at Apple, yep. and then later went off to start Nest when I, um, when, after he left Apple and, and I was still working in the semi-industry. So Tony, knowing that I was looking for something, called me up back about three years ago and he said, hey, there's something I think we ought to do. He said... My younger, or my older son, rather, is going out go-karting with us, and we love go-karting, but the go-karts themselves are terrible. He said, I want to make a modular electric go-kart for kids and kind of bring back the DIY, the do-it-yourself aspect that he remembered doing with his grandfather, and I remember doing work on mini bikes and go-karts and stuff <laughs> oh, like oh, that. Yeah. So that was the inspiration. Tony has the credit for for the inspiration and I rolled up my sleeves and said, Yeah, this this sounds like fun. Initially I had to persuade myself though that there was actually a market for such a product. Mm -hmm. But it didn't take long for me to realize that that there actually was a real need in the marketplace. There's over a million of these Fisher Price power wheels sold per year. You know, people that have kids or you know live in neighborhoods see them all the time. Right. But by the time a kid gets to about five years old, they're pretty bored with it. It only goes five miles an hour. And yet then there's really nothing for them to graduate into. So that's what we aimed at, a high-tech product. And frankly, there really aren't that many high-tech toys today. There's a lot of technology and other stuff, but not in things like kids riding vehicles for sure. So we embarked on that. And that's something that's really got me excited right now. Yeah, it's very cool. And it, and it's great seeing the smiles on both the kids' faces and the parents' faces when they're driving these carts around their neighborhood. Well, tell us a little bit about the technology behind this, because aside from being electric, there's a lot of cool features here that are really unique to what's happening today that could have never happened back when you and I had go-karts and mini-bikes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, It's one of these things where there's the convergence of technologies. Again, lithium-ion batteries can have very high energy density, the motor control electronics. We have Wi-Fi connectivity. That's one of the most important features you kind of alluded to, Mark, is that the parents using their smartphone, either Android or iOS smartphone, can remotely supervise their kid driving the car. So if the child's out driving the cul-de-sac, they can stand on the curbside or in the driveway. They can monitor their, their child. They can adjust the speed limit up or down if they want to. They can turn on collision avoidance. They can do an emergency stop if necessary. And they can even define a geofence. They can define a perimeter. Oh, my gosh. Which, uh, so cool. Which the car has to stay. Yeah. So if the car tries to go outside that area, the kid tries to drive outside. The car will slow to a crawl. So a lot of cool technology like that that parents, especially the kind of modern helicopter parents, <laughs> love to have to supervise the kids. But it's a blast for the kids, too. Yeah. And it's like a real car. It's got an accelerator and brake. We synthesize engine sounds, pump through speakers behind our heads. Right now, we've only got a single sound, but in the future, we'll have many. But it's, uh, the, the sound we have right now is a Ferrari Berlinetta <laughs> engine, so not too bad. No. Got to train the kids to what to appreciate. Yeah. Um, so lots of cool technology and lots of gaming things that we're now starting to work on. So you can do lap timing. Uh, we've got drift rings you can put on the back. The cart itself comes with 
real rubber pneumatic tires. Mm -hmm. They grip really well on the asphalt or concrete. But if they want to drift, you can put these plastic rings over the rear tires and let the kids have a blast going out there and getting sideways. Oh, man, this is very cool. (laughs) Yeah. For uh, us older folks, when we have grandkids, I can see I can see Christmas uh, morning with these things parked under the tree for sure. <laughs> Very cool. And Absolutely. where can people go and learn more about these, and are they available for purchase today? They are available for purchase. We actually started our first shipments back in November, right before the Christmas holiday season. We're approaching it gradually, though. We're just shipping to U.S. customers right now, mm-hmm. plan to expand beyond that later on this year. And right now, uh, only available on our website. So at, at activemotors.com, and it, it's spelled a little bit differently, different than you might imagine. It's A-C-T-E-V motors. So you can order them there. Um, and as I mentioned, they're going to be expanding both geographically and also signing up some major distributors and dealers that are going to start selling them later on this year. Oh, this is so much fun. So cool. Very, very cool. I'll remind our listeners, you can find a link to Dave's website, Active Motors, on his show notes page on the Cars website. Check it out. This is very cool stuff. And by the way, Mark, even though it's designed for kids, uh, we frequently jam ourselves in the carts and drive them around, too. It isn't pretty, but we still have a blast, even though we're considerably bigger than the size it was designed for. Well, I was going to ask that question because uh, the picture you sent me of of you with that 2002 back when you were a kid, you're a pretty tall guy, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'm wondering how you fit inside this thing. Well, like I said, it, it, it's not pretty. I won't send you <laughs> photos of me in it, but uh, we do have a lot of people sitting in it. Uh, it's funny, when we had our... Our big debut in New York City back last February, even Michael Strahan, you know how big he he is. He's a car in that, too. Uh, He was considering trying to jam himself in there and thought better of it. But (laughs) we haven't had people quite that big in it, but uh, certainly a lot of full-size adults. And these things, uh, as I understand, they get up to about 12 miles an hour. Is that right? That's right. It's a 12-mile-per-hour limit, and you'll see some other vehicles with a similar limit. The reason is that the U.S. Uh, safety requirements for kids riding vehicles have a 12-mile-per-hour limit. Okay, okay. Well, sure, there's some hackers out there that can override that, but I'm not going to get into yeah, that legal yeah. issue. We'll, we'll both get <laughs> in trouble. What they do on their own is up to them. Absolutely, yep, just like chipping a car, like we've all done to cars that yep. we've had or Cars from the 80s that had limiters on them that we figured out how to remove. So it could go real fast on the racetrack, not the street, the racetrack. So here's a very introspective question for you, Dave. If you were a car, what kind of car would Dave be and why? Well, I'm a real Aston Martin fan. So, so I think I would be, be an Aston Martin and perhaps even a, a historic Aston Martin. Nice, nice. So like a DB5, like a Bond car or... Yeah, DB4, DB5, and I, I, I love Aston Martins because they're sophisticated, uh, but they're high performance, mm-hmm. and in, important to me is as I get older, they I think uh, they age well. They have ageless good looks. How's that? Well, yeah, definitely. Those cars do age very well. They're beautiful cars, sophisticated, like you say, yet sporty. So I think uh, way back when they did the first Ian Fleming did the first Bond movies, or actually it was with Mr. Broccoli, I believe, was the guy that did the movies. But yep, yep. picking that car was certainly something that set the stage. I, I can only imagine that Aston Martin never dreamed how big that franchise would become and what it would mean to their right. vehicles. So very nice. Aston Martin, DB4, DB5. I like it. Well, Dave, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. 
They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, David, we are back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sure. I'm ready to go. Fire away. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I think basically treat your car well and it will return the favor and treat you well in return. It works for people too, by the way. (laughs) Most definitely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Yeah, I think just perseverance. Uh, We talked a little bit earlier about never give up. And and this is kind of a parallel to that. You know, do the absolute best you can. Don't give up. Just persevere. Yeah, perseverance, tenacity. Those are the the key factors of any entrepreneur or any person really in life, but definitely entrepreneurs. Now, is there a resource out there that you'd like to share with our listeners that you've enjoyed? Yeah, something that maybe not all that familiar to the automotive community, but uh, a resource that I use probably daily in the electronics area, and that's a company called DigiKey. They're located up in Minnesota, but a distributor of electronic components. And uh, for the kind of stuff that we're doing, they're a, a resource that I go to, like I said, basically every day. Awesome. That's a new resource here. How do you spell that company's name? It's D-I-G-I dash K-E-Y, DigiKey. And, uh, you know, they, they sell some mechanical stuff as well, but mostly electronics oriented. But as cars become more and more electronic, uh, uh, rolling vehicles or computers, they're a good resource for people that are looking for stuff like that. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry, living or deceased, who would it be? 
Well, it's a guy that we chatted about pre-show a little bit, Carol Shelby. I would I would love to to uh, have drinks with Carol Shelby. You know, I kind of you know like the guy because he was kind of a renegade, kind of a cowboy, mm-hmm. but made stuff happen, and I'm sure has endless stories that he could tell over drinks. Wouldn't that be incredible? I had the privilege of meeting him once where I actually got to go up, shake his hand. He was a, a featured guy at the Laguna Seca Historic Races, and I had a mm-hmm. – uh, I had a Mustang Shelby GT350 tribute car. It was not a real one, but it had been built into one. And I, I carried my uh, glove box cover. I unscrewed it from the car and carried it around in my backpack, hoping I'd see him and get him to sign it. And he was nice enough to do that for me. We talked a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of a joy to walk away and go, man, I got to talk to Carol Shelby. That's pretty cool. Yep, yep. What an amazing man. Well, how about a book? I would assume there's been a lot of great books in your past, but is there one in particular you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, it's kind of an old one. Um, I'm a fan of business books. I don't don't read fiction. I think the last fiction I read was under duress in high school. (laughs) But I like reading business books, despite the fact that people actually can't change their personality and behavior all that much. I like reading business books. And a lot of the business advice is timeless. And sadly, you know, people don't actually learn from past mistakes. And this is a book that actually Bill Gates recently came out and said it was probably his favorite book. And it's called Business Adventures by a guy named John Brooks. And it was actually written way back in 1969 about things that lead to business successes and business failures. Yeah, it's a great book. I read it many, many years ago as well. I I should probably pull it out and reread it because uh, it sits on my shelf, one of the books I read just out of college. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, fantastic book. Well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these great resources that Dave has shared on the Carja website on his show notes page. I've got his name under David Bell. So just go to Carja.com, type David in the search bar, and that page will pop up with links. I've also got a great place on the site under resources called Guest Recommended Books, where, gosh, we've got now 753 recommendations plus, because some people recommend multiple books. So there's to be close to a thousand books there. I've made it real easy for you. Just click and buy. So it's a wonderful resource of great books by all the fantastic and inspiring guests I've had here on Cars. Yeah. All right, Dave, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only (laughs) one very cool collector car in your garage, including a doozy, if that's what you want, money's no object today. I'm going to buy you whatever car you would like. What would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Well, you heard me talk about the Aston Martin earlier, DB4, DB5, and I'm going to pick another one. It's a car that I love and have loved since I was a kid, both because it's a beautiful car and because it was kind of a technology marvel back in the day. And that is the Cord 810 from 1937. A beautiful car, front-wheel drive, independent front suspension, um, a lot of technology that went into that car, and it was kind of a marvel back in its day pre-war, but also just a, a beautiful, beautiful car. So that's one that I would love to have in my garage. Oh, yeah. You know, I think you're the first person to ask for a cord, and I'm kind of surprised by that because the cord was such a, well, it was so unique in so many ways. I mean, it was cutting edge in technology, and it was cutting edge in a lot of the design factors that the, that car was put into. I have a good friend up here in the Northwest, Tom Armstrong, who has one of those vehicles, and got the pleasure of spending some time in his garage and telling me all about that car and the history. So. Yeah. Very nice. What color would you like that cord to be? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I would probably gravitate towards a silver or something like that, though. Yeah, yeah, it'd be cool. Tom's is black. He likes black cars, so you know, black is a pretty 
cool color, although I'm such a clean freak. I don't think I could ever own a black car. I just go insane. Yeah, a black car looks looks great for about 30 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, wash it. silver would be nice because of all the curves on that vehicle. They would shine yep. and sparkle. So, ah, very, very nice. Well, and again, you're the first one to choose cord out of 753 people. So that's saying something about your uniqueness, <laughs> I think. Well, Dave, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. Uh, great fun. I wish we could have your go-karts here at my house to race up and down the street together, although I might fit in it a little bit better than you. I'm not quite as tall as you, but uh, I think it'd be fun. I've really enjoyed learning more about this uh, Active Motors company that you're developing. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive and life journey with me and the Car Show listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that Cord A10? Well, I, I think it's something that I'm getting to do right now, and that is find your passion and pour your heart and soul into it with everything you've got. Now, many people don't have the opportunity to do that, but perhaps later in life, you do have that option, and, and that's uh, what I'm doing right now. Well, that's what Cars yeah is all about, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And you've been an inspiration today. I'm so happy you're doing something that's fun and cool and this, the misnomer of retirement. I think is a falsehood. Putting your feet up is a death nail. So you got to stay active. You got to keep doing things. And again, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about this company that you're creating and building? Probably the best way is just go to our website. So go to activemotors.com, A-C-T-E-V motors.com. Absolutely. And again, listeners, I'll put a link to that website on the Cars yeah website. Just type David Bell into the search bar and you'll find that page. Check out what he's doing. If you've got a a child in your life, I think you're going to be the star when you buy them one of these things. And the coolest thing is you can be relatively safe versus the day when my mom stood at the end of the street and watched me race down the street in that go-kart throttle <laughs> cable broke and it was wide open and I crashed into Mr. Swancher's trash can. So uh as she came running down the street screaming, we're getting rid of that <laughs> death trap. So, uh yeah. oh my goodness. Well, David, thank you again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks so much, Mark. You're welcome. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!